As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hey, listener, it's Matt here. I'm coming to you live from uh, the cinema in Nottingham where I'm about to go and watch Barbie Mermaid Power. But before I go in there, there's something I need to confess. During today's recording, I made a lot of references to Chelsea versus Man United being on Sunday. As you well know, it's actually on Saturday. So please ignore those erroneous indications as to the day of the week of the game. Is this a resigning matter? Look, let me be very clear. I've been given a mandate to lead this podcast through difficult times and into a bright new future. And I still believe I have the support of my colleagues to do that. So that's what I will be looking to deliver once again. Chelsea versus Man United is on Saturday, not Sunday, and I am not resigning. Back to the film. Thank you. It's straight out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, goalless in Brentford, we look ahead to Saturday's visit of Manchester United, round up the rest of the Chelsea news and do a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Here we are again then, listener. Pretty dreary outside in the UK this Thursday, but Chelsea continuing to brighten our days as their unbeaten run continues. It's me, Matt Davis Adams, joined today by two of the Athletics' finest. Liam Toomey's back with us. Hi, Liam. Hello. Was there a football match last night? Sorry, I was a bit distracted by the raging inferno that was politics Twitter on my laptop. (laughs) Certainly more interesting. Um, Simon Johnson's also with us. How are you doing, Simon? Wonderful. Just like the weather. (laughs) Well, we're just hours removed from Wednesday night's game at the GTEC Community Stadium, so that will be our first port of call. They had some chances. Uh, We had some chances. I thought we finished the game stronger. But uh, over the course of the game, I think it was a hard-earned point against a team that make it very difficult for you. So in the end, it's a hard-fought point. Happy with the spirit of the players. Substitutes made an, an impact, so that was good. Um, disappointing not to win, but overall, I can't complain. The players gave everything. I'm feeling very well. I'm feeling with confidence. I'm feeling uh, without ball, with ball. I'm uh, in good position. I'm feeling feeling good. I'm feeling like I'm I'm helping the team when when they need. So so happy, happy, happy to to be like this. Uh, now to, today we didn't. We didn't win. We dropped, I think, two points because at the end of the game we have some some clear chances, but uh, we have to keep going. Goalless between the Bees and the Blues in West London on Wednesday night then. A remarkably unremarkable game. Liam watched it live and sent us this voice note to save us from having to talk too much more about the game. Well, I don't know if Chelsea fully avenged the... 20 minutes of hell that Ben Chilwell said Brentford put them through in this stadium last season. But I can tell you that most of the Brentford fans around me were very grateful to hear the final whistle. Chelsea looked very different at the end of this game to the way they did at the start. Uh, Raheem Sterling ended up at left wing back. Connie Chukwamika ended up on the pitch. Graham Potter dug deep into his bag of tactical solutions to try and tilt this game in Chelsea's favour and they did manage to put Brentford under a lot of pressure in those final minutes 
But when all's said and done, I think a draw is fair. Brentford had a lot of chances, particularly in the, in the first half of this game. Maybe not as many as Aston Villa did at the weekend, but they, their aerial approach caused Chelsea a lot of problems. Ivan Tony is, is a real handful. Brian and Buemo probably missed the clearest chance of anyone with that free header from a Rostev cross. And a lot of Chelsea's chances found a perfectly timed Brentford defensive leg. Um, Ethan Pinnock was particularly immense in those closing stages to ensure that, that Brentford survived. And I think ultimately it was the right result. Graham Proctor remains unbeaten as Chelsea head coach. His winning run is ended. But given how many changes Chelsea made for this game with Manchester United ahead of the weekend, not the worst result in the world. We know the problems that Brentford caused Chelsea last season and the problems they've caused for other big teams since they came into the Premier League. So there is still a sense of some momentum here for Chelsea and, and maybe some other positives as well. I thought Armando Breuer looked lively from the start, almost manufactured a goal for himself out of nothing a couple of times, really gave Ben Mee a torrid time in a couple of foot races. Chuck Wamika looked very good when he came on, really, really seized this chance, a surprising chance to come on and impact the game. I thought Christian Pulisic was super threatening. Maybe he gets the start soon. Right, so that was the view from the press box. Uh, listen, the producer Lucy was actually at the game as a supporter. The cruel amongst you might say that's why Chelsea didn't win, because we know how much bad luck she uh, often brings on to Chelsea and the people who work there. Shout out to Thomas Tuchel. Um, Lucy, what was the atmosphere like in the away end? Did you think that Chelsea played well? Is it just, you know, they've had too many games this month and this one was a bit of fatigue? Yeah, I, I mentioned in our group chat that my mum almost fell asleep standing up in the first half. It wasn't the most thrilling of games, but there was a really good atmosphere. I mean, we were singing incredibly loudly. Uh, Salomon Kalou's song got a run out for about 25 minutes in the second half. We were trying to figure out if he was there in the crowd and he'd been spotted. And that was why, unexpectedly, his song was being sang. If anyone can explain that, please do. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't a thriller, I didn't think. But a point, we talked about it in, on Monday show, a point, I think, as Jesse said, is, is a good result and carries on the unbeaten run. So at the end, everyone got a clap. All the players came over and were saluted and there wasn't any bad blood or frustrations, really, I didn't hear. Is it safe standing at Brentford? Ooh. How's that? It was great. I was leaning over, sort of hiding uh, behind the barrier. But no, it was... I think it was a really good atmosphere. Brentford is a great ground. Obviously, a really small allocation for the away fans. There was actually fans outside asking for tickets, which you don't normally see in the sort of the little bit as you're going through. So, no, it was a really good atmosphere. And Brentford are a good side. We've seen what they did to Manchester United in that game back at the start of the season. So there's no shame in going there and not coming away with all three points. So I think something for Potter and some of the exciting young players we saw again to build upon. And yeah, just a general good night out good atmosphere between the two fans no animosity just nice evening out by the river in west london uh, simon you watched it from the comfort of your sofa i'm making an assumption there but i'm going to go ahead with it um seeing as sam's not here you get the question that he's been dying to answer armando Breuer got a start in this match <laughs> how do you think he did he did pretty well for the first hour didn't he i don't think ben mee's feeling great this morning <laughs> yeah it was a bit like a, a race between uh, me and uh well, it was a race between me. It was a race between me and Breuer. <laughs> me and Liam, probably. Um, yeah, I, I thought Breuer did pretty well. You can tell he's raw. Um, he needs to work on his left foot because there are there are a few occasions where he's played in and he, instead of playing it with his left foot or having a shot or a pass, he, he, he went the other way with his right foot and the move broke down. But his pace was extraordinary and gives Chelsea a threat in behind. It was an encouraging start. Um, and something to work on. I, I'd certainly, put it this way, I'd certainly rather see more of Amanda Breuer up front than Kai Havertz. I think Kai Havertz should be um, dropped. I, I'd sort of written, a, written about him a couple of weeks ago, and that was after a game he scored, saying, come on, we need to see more from you. And I just thought last night was a pretty abject showing, and, and really, it was incredibly fortunate. Even Liam tweeted it, <laughs> which just shows how bad he was. Um, that he was lucky to stay on when the when the three subs were made. 
Liam, is he is he taking three touches every time he gets the ball because he hasn't got any confidence or because he's not got that you don't do that in the Premier League? It feels like, as Simon's kind of intimated there, the, the penny's not dropped about how to play in English football for him because the talent's there, isn't it? But something's not clicking and, and hasn't. And we're, what, nearly three years in now? I don't think it's that he, he hasn't figured out he has to take fewer touches because there have been stretches of his Chelsea career where he has moved the ball quicker and he has he has seemed to be adapting to the challenges of English football. He's I think he's he's at times stood up well to the to the physicality that he's faced from Premier League defenders, for example, and, and learned how to use his body better. But I can't explain the way he's performing right now. Um and, and the way he performed against Brentford. It was just really listless. And, you know, there were a couple of times, I remember one time in particular where Mason Mount sort of fired a pass through a defender's leg straight to his feet on the edge of the penalty area. And it was just kind of set up for him to just take a touch turn as he was taking the touch and then either shoot or or, or find a an incisive pass. And instead he just sort of took one touch that got stuck under his feet, took another couple of touches and then just got smothered by defenders. Um and that seemed to be the way of his whole performance. I think he was he was very lucky to survive that triple substitution on the hour mark. I think part of that was probably because he's tall um, and Brentford was subjecting Chelsea to a rigorous examination at set pieces, as you would expect. But if, if he wasn't, what, six foot two, I think he would have been taken off a lot earlier. And it, it, is, it is pretty worrying because he, he does... He does remain something of an enigma as a player. You can see on the good days, the talent really uses, and he's done some great things in a Chelsea shirt, but there just hasn't been the consistency there. And and in particular, I don't understand right now why... I I agree, Matt, I think he looked short on confidence, but I don't understand why, Um, because most of the other attacking players are are trending the the other way under Potter. So I, I don't really get what's happening, and I think it's it's slightly worrying for him. Something that he, that needs to be addressed. I wonder if he might be one of those players who actually benefits from the World Cup if he can get a bit of form back there. Um, so Simon Havertz stayed on for longer than we probably thought he would do. Conor Gallagher though came off early; he wasn't feeling very well, and I thought it was interesting that actually that substitution with Kovacic coming on, although enforced, allowed Chelsea to to wrestle back a bit of control in midfield because they they were swamped early in the game by Brentford, but but Kovacic seemed to settle that down a bit. Yeah, he had he had another another good display. He sort of really started to run midfield a little bit, certainly more than Jorginho did. And and he was constantly probing, trying to find that that pass, that, that slide rule pass to, to set up an opportunity. Yeah, it, that was a positive. I have to say that, and I'm sure you're probably getting onto it, the, the three subs that came on, even a Bamiang at the end for, for Havertz, the subs also made a the other subs made a made a big impact too. Which you could sort of say on one hand is a is a positive that and it shows the depth of the squad, or, or maybe it also shows that the Grand Posse got his team wrong to begin with. Mm, yeah, which was um, something which continued from Sunday, I guess, didn't it? Uh, speaking of the subs, Liam, Carney Chukomeka was one of them. Uh, he features in your post-match piece for The Athletic about Graham Potter kind of fulfilling his remit and, and, and trying to promote the youth in a way that perhaps his predecessor wouldn't have done. Yeah, I asked Potter about this in his post-match press conference because I thought this was the most interesting thing about the game, really, where you, you get to an hour mark of... Although I don't agree with you, Matt, that it was a bore fest. I thought it was quite a good game. But <laughs> the most interesting aspect of the game was that you get to the hour mark. As Graham Potter, you're looking for a way to, either in terms of tactics or personnel, tilt things in Chelsea's direction. And you turn to an 18-year-old with five minutes of of Premier League experience for you I know I know he played a few games for Villa um, last season and these were real minutes you know Chuck Wameka has been in a few match day squads he's kind of he's he's been around it recently he's clearly someone that's been in Potter's thoughts but there wasn't any prior indication that he would be thrown in in that kind of situation and it did underline the sort of broader cultural reasons why Potter is Chelsea's head coach and not Thomas Tuchel, because that is not something Thomas Tuchel would have done. We have 
a full season's worth of evidence to show that. He gave no league minutes to teenagers last year. I remember Simon writing about it at the time. And only a few weeks ago, uh, when Chelsea lost to Southampton at the end of August, he had a load of central midfield injuries and ignored Billy Gilmore and Chukwemeka on his bench. And then afterwards said in his press conference, he had no one left to play in midfield. And Potter didn't play Chukwemeka in midfield. He played him on the right of the front three. Um, I thought he looked very lively there. In particular, I think there were three runs, one which really progressed the ball from turning defence into attack and a couple of others which were like surges to the byline on the left and and whipping the ball across and, and David Raya had to act on both. He largely took his chance. I didn't think there were there were many moments in his in his little cameo where he was sort of shocked by the intensity of the game. I think he adapted to it very quickly. And he he played his own part in helping Chelsea ramp up the pressure because in the last twenty minutes, I think maybe Brentford fatigue was a part of this as well. I thought Chelsea really did push and they did pin Brentford back finally and they, they did pretty much do all they reasonably could. Um, to try and win the game. There were lots of really great interventions from Brentford defenders, as I mentioned in the voice note. Uh, Ethan Pinnock was incredible. Um, I've not seen too much of him, but if he's always that good, blimey. Um, So in the end, you know, I I think Christian Pulisic was very good as well. He was probably Chelsea's most dangerous player, whether starting or off the bench. So there are sort of options based on the way the substitutes performed that, that Potter now has to, to weigh up going into the weekend. And I don't expect Chukwemeka to start <laughs> or, or, or maybe even feature against Man United, but it is a sign that he is going to be more of a part of things moving forward. And that's part of the broader vision for the way Todd Bowley and Clear Lake Capital want to run the club. And, and it's clearly the way Graham Potter wants to coach as well. Simon, later we're going to talk about a very prescient piece that you wrote this week about another Chelsea youngster. Um, also, you had much traction on that Dennis Zakaria piece you did the other week? <laughs> it's the most action he's had uh, talking to me <laughs> and, and a few of the other Chelsea beat writers. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad we, we, we gave him something to do. Um, I feel really sorry for him, I have to say. Um, but Chelsea were trying to sign other midfielders... They didn't come off. It felt like a stopgap move. Oh, we can get this guy in on loan and then we'll revisit who we really want in January. So I won't be surprised if Zachariah's loan ends in January and, and they go for who they wanted in the first place. Um, but I do feel sorry for him because he's got a World Cup that he wants to play in and he's part of the Switzerland squad, but his chances of starting are, are pretty much over. Uh, unless something uh, remarkable happens in the next few minutes. And he's going to turn up at the tournament totally undercooked. That is if he's selected. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he's not playing himself out of the World Cup, if you get my drift. I'm just relieved I did that 2,000-word Scout deep dive on him <laughs> and what he could bring to Chelsea. <laughs> uh, well, that point for the Blues leaves them fourth in the table. They are one point better off than Manchester United. You'll never guess who's coming to Stamford Bridge on Sunday. (laughs) Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Sunday, 5.30 UK time is Chelsea versus Manchester United at Stamford Bridge. Joining us now to give us the Red Devils angle on this is the Athletics Manchester United expert, Carl Anker. Uh, Carl, we're speaking hours after United's best performance of the season, question mark? 
Yes, I think Manchester United were utterly dominant and comprehensively defeated Tottenham Hotspur in a result that surprised a number of United fans who went, that was really straightforward. Hmm. Uh, the question now for United uh, and the United perspective is, was that due to the tactical matchup of Conte Spurs that didn't really press high up the field and were very content to let United work the ball into central areas? Or is it, you know, it's that thing. Are United good now? We keep, we being the Manchester United core, keep asking themselves that for the last, I'd say, uh, 10 years now since Ferguson left. Is it finally happening? Uh, so yes, Chelsea Chelsea will provide a very good test, also considering Graham Potter was the architect of uh, their season opening humbling. Um, it looks like it was worth the wait for Eric Ten Hag. Obviously, they had Ranić for um, the second half of last season. Has, has Ten Hag kind of settled on a style and, and a first choice eleven now? And has he wrestled back control of the dressing room? Yes, seems like it. I think Ten Hag has succeeded in one of his big secret aims, which is no United fan is is pining for Richard Pochettino anymore. Uh, the fact he's just been victorious of Antonio Conte, another person who's linked to Manchester United job. Uh, will give him extra credit in the bank. I think he has managed a difficult Harry Maguire situation very well. Um, his very to-the-point nature when discussing Cristiano Ronaldo ha- has given United fans a uh, clearer identity as, as to what's going on in that situation as well. And in terms of style of play, it's coalescing. Uh, it's getting there. I think the, the, the derby defeat against Manchester City really... Uh, underlined the difference between United and, and City. But other than that, I think United fans are going, okay, I understand how this team wants to play. I understand this might take a while and some additional transfers, but uh, it's looking good. Uh, if I keep pausing and talking about the upward inflection, that, that speaks to how unsure everyone is at Manchester United because th- this really is unheralded territory. It, it just the competence of uh, in their style of play. Carl, you mentioned it in passing there. But how much do you think Eric Ten Hag wishes that Chelsea had taken Cristiano Ronaldo off Manchester United's hands last summer? I don't think he'll openly say so. But uh, I think removing Ronaldo and possibly getting a body from Chelsea in a trade would have been very useful. I think it was just a straight transfer deal. I think Todd Bowley would have been prepared to discuss a trade. I, Because it's pre-season and sometimes you're sort of scrambling for... Uh, certain ideas. I, I did once float the editorial idea of uh, pretend you're Manchester United and you're asking Chelsea for some bodies in exchange for Ronaldo. Which ones do you ask for to not take the mick? Uh, and I tweet this out and I quite a few United fans say, oh, I'll take Broja. Oh, I'll take Cards and Adoy. Uh, I think someone wanted uh, Loftus-Cheek, which one, speaks to just how deep that Chelsea squad is. Uh, and two, speaks to the fact that everyone kind of hopes Chelsea's setup don't realise how good some of their fringe players are. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think Chelsea might have got away with one because Ronaldo at the top of uh, what is now a Graham Potter system would not have worked. A bit of a Forrest Gump chocolate box energy to United's away form in the in the Premier League. Are, are we gonna are we gonna see the team that won to nil at Southampton and Leicester, or the one that got smashed at Brentford and Man City? I think what you're going to see is something a bit similar to the Southampton game. So Marcus Rashford playing as the number nine, really solid century midfield. Uh, Jaden Sancho will be asked to get forward, but Sancho is, he's in a really strange place in that the touches are there and the quick quickness of thought is there, but the confidence to push his skill to the limit is, is there's still a gap. We still haven't quite seen Borussia Dortmund, Jadon Sancho. Uh, and I think a lot of that will rely on, on him playing quite closely to, to Luke Shaw and Fred. So this is a game that, I mean, in recent seasons has, has yielded a lot of draws and a lot of, what was that all about? Uh, and I think Manchester United fans might come away from Sunday's game going, what was that all about again? Hey Carl, um, which which players would you say have um, perhaps benefited or, or, or thriving most since Ten Hag was appointed? Would you say? Uh, so I mean, the big thing is obviously Ten Hag has brought in uh, basically five new players. Uh, I think someone who's really kicked on since Ten Hag's arrival is Diogo Dallo, who now is starting right back, taking the role from Aaron Rambasaka, almost number one right back at the fault. Uh, he's a really 
head-scratching football player. Statistically, he is 6 or 7 out of 10 in everything you want from a modern fullback, which, uh, depending on how you look, he's either a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none, or he's someone who hasn't played a lot of games and is now finally being given opportunity by Eric Ten Hag to figure out the sort of player he wants to be. So at the moment, he looks as if he is going to be a right-back that inverts a lot, crosses from the half-space, really, really tries to get forward and is there for switches. I don't know if he's got the attacking endeavour of, say, a Trent Alexander-Arnold or, or João Gonzalo, or even indeed someone like Kieran Trippier, but he is there or thereabouts. He, he's like a real blank slate curate egg football player. Uh, and Ten Hag's really going, okay, you know, you're good at everything, but I want you to be good at this specific thing. Uh, and I think that'll be interesting. Scott McTominay has been in a decent run of form. Uh, I think he's he's played a lot more than United fans have thought, especially since Casemiro came in. And I think he plays one because he's tall uh, and United right now. You may have heard Lissandra Martinez is five foot nine. Um, so there's been a lot of talk about the height of Manchester United. I think Scott McTominay has been playing quite a few games because of his height. And on top of that, you know, Jaden Sancho is getting there slowly. Uh, and it's, it's nice to see Marcus Rashford fully fit and scoring goals again. Carl, Chelsea don't beat Manchester United at Stamford Bridge anymore. This is a rule, apparently. Um, <laughs> but they, they, they've they had a lot of success in recent meetings playing on the counter-attack. Obviously, Chelsea have become a very high-possession team and United have a lot of speed up front. But with this Ten Hag style... Do you think that they are a sort of minded and be capable of playing the way that they've they've maybe played in in past years, or do you see a, a different game playing out at the weekend? I think imagine you know Eric Tonhag is minded to, to to play to the team strengths. Uh, you know something I often like playing is go right. Here's all the managers who cite Johan Cruyff, and then you sort of whack them all on a spectrum and say who's the most Cruyffian thinker in the world. Uh, so, you know, number one, way on, on the right-hand side, you've got Pep Guardiola. And then sort of when Thomas Tuchel was here, he was sort of the most pragmatic Cruyffian thinker. And I think Ten Hag is somewhere in between the two in that he you know, was an Ajax manager, does do Cruyffian things of wingers get really, really wide, uh, people attacking the half spaces and whatnot. But he's also not averse to, to getting it into the mix and, and giving it to the big lad. As you saw with Sebastian Haller, I think the way he responded to defeat against Brentford and, and bring in Rafael Varane and tell him to, hey, just don't worry about passing it, just get it long, has shown that he's not adverse to, to changing his principles. Or indeed, he's not he's not a zealot or a tactical zealot, as it were. And his use of, of Marcus Rashford in number nine and the way he's actually trying to manufacture more counter-attacking opportunities so Rashford has more space in behind to run into shows that he knows what he wants to do eventually, but he also understands that you've you got to get points on the board. So the big thing, I think, for United, if indeed United do play Rashford up front, which I, th- I think will happen, especially after Ronaldo leaving in a half, will be those sort of counter-attacking moments. Will be, can Anthony to get into space? Uh, and, you know, I'm, I mean, Graham Potter's a smart man, so I'm going to assume he's going to put two people on Anthony so he can't cut inside and do your eye on Robin. So, uh, yeah, counter-punching will be, will be a big thing from this Manchester United team on Sunday. Um, Carl, before we let you go, give us a prediction, but you can't say one all. <laughs> he, he knows I like saying one all. He also <laughs> knows I detest the 3-1 prediction as well, because I, I, I think predicting four goals in one game is absolutely absurd. Um, I'm going to put this... I, th- I think it's a score draw. I think Chelsea's midfield will be missing Kante. I think Potter knows he can't really play Conor Gallagher. Uh, a loftus cheek in this right wing back role as the extra one doesn't quite work. But if you play Obber as well, that's the sort of better strike you can get. So this is a really long winded way to avoid saying 1 1 and just saying 2 2 instead. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, well done. I think that's probably quite likely. I love the fact that you said predicting four goals in a game was absurd and then went on to predict four <laughs> goals in a game. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. <laughs> Lovely stuff. (laughs) Thank you very much. No worries. Take care. Carl Anker there. Read him only in The Athletic. So that's the United angle. Uh, One thing that we didn't mention, Simon, when we were talking about the Brentford game was this news that N'Golo Conte 
He's going to be out for four months. Chelsea now without three key players. Reese James, you'd say, probably the best player this season. And Golo Conte, often the most important. And Wesley Fofana bought for a massive sum of money. So Graham Potter's got issues to deal with, even though we've been speaking about how deep his squad is. It's, it's being tested at the moment. Yeah. Um, and when Conor Gallagher went off last night, we didn't know, obviously, at the time that he was sick. I I, um, <laughs> I tweeted a third midweek fixture in a row. It's just like, who's next? Who, who's going to be the victim against uh, Salzburg? Um, but no, it, it, it is a big blow because um, they're not just minor things. They're, they're, they're serious things. And as for Angolo, um, I'm not remotely, remotely giving the I told you so thing. But when I wrote that piece a couple of years ago, which Dom still takes great offence at, it was basically saying... This is only going to get worse. If you're going to sell him, you sell him now. wasn't remotely questioning his ability. And of course, he's gone on to play a massive role in Chelsea's Champions League win. So you could probably say he's more than justified sticking around. And he's brilliant. I love Angolo. I never wanted that to be remotely questioned. But this this is... He's just not playing. And I just think any... Any suggestion of giving him a new contract for me, I wouldn't. T- I wouldn't go. I'd walk away now. It, it, what is the point? The, the guy is going to play at most. It seems fifty percent of Chelsea's games. Is that worth the money? I, I, I just think this is. We're going to see this more and more. Unfortunately, because the the injury record has shown ever since that. And that's what I wrote in the piece. Ever since that injury ahead of the Europa League final in 2019. His appearances have dropped season on season. And and a four-month layoff for a guy in his 30s, it doesn't look good. I hope I'm proved wrong. If he signs a new deal, he plays on like Thiago Silva and is a continues to be a Chelsea legend. But I just think all the evidence suggests that his career, sadly, is going one way. So that's central midfield. Kante's not going to be involved, obviously, on Sunday. Liam, I want to get your opinion on, on who should be playing wing-backs if that's the system that Chelsea go with for this match because I'm not a huge fan of Loftus-Cheek playing on the right. I think even though he hasn't got the pace, obviously, Azpilicueta is a better bet there. And, and Kukurea seems to have had a difficult couple of games. So who are you going with in those positions for, for Man United on Sunday? Uh, I, th- I think on the left, Chilwell's the best choice. Um, provided there's no issue with him. He wasn't in the matchday squad against Brentford, though he was with the group. At right wing back, I don't think there's a good answer, to be honest. I, you know, I think Loftus-Cheek has okay moments in that position, but he always looks like someone who's filling in to me and someone who's who's uncomfortable, particularly when teams manage to, to isolate him and, and force him to defend. As Pilaqueta, you'd say is that you know the most solid defensively, and and he's of course vastly experienced, understands the system inside out. Tactically, he's very capable of playing that role. But when you're looking against Manchester United, the speed they will have down the left, if you know if they start Sancho there, you've got Tyrell Malassia as well, potentially overlapping. It's a big challenge. Um, and Chelsea will have the numbers if they have three centre-backs and a, and a wing-back. So there will be a bit more cover for Aspilicueta, but it's still a big challenge for him. So I, I don't think there's a there's a great answer, particularly to to help Chelsea do what they want to do at both ends of the pitch. That's why Reese James is special, because he can do the defensive stuff, but he's such an X-factor in the final third with with his quality, when he's that open man on the overlap, he's just so devastating. And Chelsea don't have anyone else who can do that, regardless of what their what their day job position is. Um, so I think it's it's the single most difficult decision that Potter has, not just for this game, but for for this next run of fixtures right up until the World Cup. Simon, so, you'd expect to see some changes up front as well, wouldn't you? From what we saw at Brentford, Aubameyang and Sterling likely to come back in. Do you think? Yeah, that, that tends to be the, the sort of pot away when he when he rests those two, well, relatively rests them. Um, yeah, that they come straight back in. Um, I hope, I'm going to make this a weekly appeal. I don't want to see Sterling at wing-back, please. Neither does Trevor Chalaber. <laughs> Neither it's, does Sterling. It, it's just, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I, left wing-back, the first game, it, it worked. 
You know, he, he looked very dangerous against Red Bull Salzburg. But no, I don't think Sterling looks happy there. He, he's out of the game as an attacking threat too much. And defensively, he's just... He got yeah. nutmegged by Ashley Young. <laughs> yeah. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I, I don't get it. I don't. I just sort of think, yeah, you've tried it now. It clearly doesn't work. Keep him where he should be at the top end of the pitch, where he can really, really um, cause cause problems. But yeah, I, I I think there will be changes, but goalkeeper won't be one of them. Yeah. It's Kepa's position now. I think we're all pretty sure on that. Well, we'll see if Chelsea can break their winless streak against United in the Premier League and pick up a win, which would put some distance between they and the Red Devils. We'll reflect on that game on Monday's pot. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, I mentioned that Simon had done some soothsaying this week. He wrote an excellent piece on Amari Hutchinson. And Hutchinson then went and starred for Chelsea as they beat Lake Orient 3-2 at Brisbane Road on Tuesday to progress to the knockout rounds of the Football League trophy. Uh, Hutchinson put Chelsea a goal up just after half-time. Orient then went 2-1 in front before sub-Malik Mothersill scored on 89 and 90 plus three with Hutchinson involved in those goals. It's good news for Chelsea because not many of the development sides uh, in that competition have made it through to the knockout stages. But Hutchinson, clearly the standout, Simon. I mean, are we getting to the point where we're talking about him being involved in a first team squad before too long or do you think he'll be a kind of PL2 EFL trophy player for the for the rest of the season? Well as I say in the piece I think it's quite significant that um, he's been invited he's already earned one one appearance one cap with Jamaica uh, in a in a friendly game against Catalonia uh, earlier this year and he's been invited to play for them again against Cameroon in a friendly on November the 9th and I've been told that he he has been asked to delay his decision to play in that game because Chelsea play Man City that night in the AFL Cup. Um, and there is a slight, you know, there is a possibility, not saying it's going to happen, that, that he'll be part of the squad, which again, sort of, it makes sense because whilst it's a big game, Man City, and I expect Potter will, will still field a strong team and, and so will City, you expect it to be a bit of a, more of the fringe contingent or the, the sort of like, there's going to be a bit of rotation going on there because it is clearly the the least important competition for both clubs. Um, so that, so that I, I think that in itself, even if it doesn't happen, that does give a strong indication of, of what the thinking is. Um, I was lucky to, to go down and watch him face Man United's under-21s, included a cameo of the very, very svelte Tom Huddleston, <laughs> who... Oh, I have to say, I just went, I, I said to the guys around me, I said, oh, that's, that's probably, I don't want to insult Tom Hollison, too, but it, it gave me hope <laughs> because <laughs> he was chugging away. Uh, he he was he was very, very, um, he was a big figure on the pitch, put it that way, but he still got it. He still got it because I've always admired Tom Hollison, one of the best passers of football I've seen in, in my reporting career. And that's what he did. He was spraying passes left, right and centre. You could tell he's played at the highest level. In fact, one of his crossfield passes led to the United's second goal as they came from behind late on from 3-1 to 3-3. Anyway, we're here to talk about Hutchison. What was very interesting was United players were really targeting him. Every time he got the ball, he was surrounded, which is a sign of his respect, the respect that he's already... Uh, earning it at that level of football. But just before half-time, he went on this incredible run, pretty much the length of the pitch, past three or four players, led to, a, led to a shot on goal. And the whole crowd, pretty much every time he got the ball, just were, were, were excited. And, and, and this kid, you, you sort of say he's in the, 
in terms of great hopes at this level, you're thinking Hudson Adoy, um, Charlie Masonda. He's that kind of player. Now, of course, those two have. There's a warning sign there, isn't there? Yes, exactly. Those two haven't gone on to to, to back up the, the excitement they generated at youth level yet, as we say in Hudson Adoy's case. Masonda was unfortunate with injury. But there's definitely something about this kid. He's very, very into and he's a big, big, uh, perhaps of all the signings they made at youth level, they, they nabbed him from Arsenal um, and, and perhaps he's going to be the most exciting at the moment. Um, there's certainly a buzz about him. And I spoke to the under-21s coach, Mark Robinson, as well. And very interesting to hear that he's also been trying to work on the defensive side of his game so he isn't that liability that we sort of see that wingers have to do in, in, in a Chelsea setup is track back as well. Um, but anyway, very exciting. And I, I appreciate the fact that he went on to have a good game. So I had to tweet my <laughs> intro at half 10 at night on, uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can read Simon's piece up on The Athletic now, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to subscribe. If you do not currently, it'll only cost you a pound for your first six months, a pound a month, that is. And do go and dig out those highlights of the game against Leighton Orient because Chelsea played some really good stuff in that. The under-21s back in action this weekend. They host Blackburn Rovers in PL2. The under-18s scheduled game against West Ham has been put back by a week to next Saturday. Uh, the women's team kick off their Champions League campaign tonight, Thursday, as we record away to PSG. Check out Monday's pod to hear our expert Jesse Parker Humphreys give their thoughts ahead of the Blues Champions League campaign. They are then back in WSL action away to Bogey Team Brighton on Sunday evening. Right, quiz next. Feels like a long time since we've enjoyed this particular fixture, so I am intrigued to see which way it would go. Liam, maybe you're a little bit rusty. It's been a while, whereas Simon's in a good moment in terms of form and fitness. I lost to Sam last week. (laughs) I've been off at a warm weather training camp, so hopefully that's sharpened me up a little bit. Whereas I I now feel like fatigued for a long season and and just struggling to get to the, the break. Waiting for the World Cup. All right, Liam, you're up first. It's uh, Chelsea Man United based this week. Who was the most recent player to join Chelsea from Manchester United? This is according to transfer marks, by the way. God, I'm thinking about players going the other way. Um, More of them has to be said. Hmm. Oh. No more specific clues than that. Nope. Simon hasn't even gone near the temples yet. That's when I'm worried. <laughs> I'm just pulling my ear again. Um, can't be Mark Hughes. Can't be. No. Simon, do you want to steal it? Well, Falcao can't count, surely, because that, that was a loan. No, that doesn't count. Yeah. Um, Veron. Absolutely correct for the steal. Juan Sebastian Veron. I can't believe 2003. that. Ages, That's a great it? question. Mm, thanks. Uh, let's see if you still <laughs> feel the same when I ask you your first. Uh, in 1992, which defender became the first player to move from Manchester United to Chelsea since 1961? Is, is this my friend? You tell me. Is it Mal? Mal Donaghy. It is Mal Donaghy, yes, of course. <laughs> Mal Donaghy. He's now given me about 100, 100 of my points in the quiz. 2-0 with a question right in Simon's age wheelhouse. <laughs> well, this one should work just, for you then, Liam, uh, by that metric. How many seconds had elapsed when Pedro gave Chelsea the lead against United in the 4-0 win at the bridge in 2016? Of all the components, you could have asked me about that goal. <laughs> Number of seconds. Brutal. Oh. I remember it was ludicrously quick. Just ball over the top, rounded the keeper. I don't get points for any of this, do I? Describing no. the goal. Um, One of my favourite games I've ever commentated on, I think that. Do I have to get the exact number of seconds? Yes. Oh, well, I'm obviously not going to get this point. Uh, <laughs> 23 seconds. Simon, do you remember? I think it was about 28. Very close. It was 30. 
bang on the nose. See, that's why I thought it was okay to make you do the exact because it's a nice round figure. But um, uh, I, I wish I'd assumed I could just pick a round figure. <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a, a, a track. Uh, I love it, Lucy. Uh, was it? What kind of music is it? Uh, was it garage? Oh, I can't. You know. What is it? 21 Ab- seconds absolute... to go. Okay. Yeah. Right. What's going on? <laughs> what is going on? 21 seconds to go. I got 21 seconds to go. Cuz if you let me let me know, let me in the studio. I got 21 seconds before I got to go. Yeah, that was like a fever dream. Uh, just for a minute. <laughs> oh, really show me age. That was embarrassing. Oh, what kind of music is it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, back yeah. to the garage for you. Right, Simon, you're not going to get this question right, so this is going to take some of the chirpiness out of your voice. Jose Mourinho had a touchline bust-up with Chelsea's then-technical assistant after Ross Barkley plundered a 96-minute equaliser in a 2-2 draw between the teams at the bridge in 2018. Name that technical assistant. Oh. I haven't got a clue. I, 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 I vaguely remember what he looked like. Wasn't he follically challenged like me? He looked a bit like you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying the answer was me. Special one turned around and went, oi, slap head. (laughs) Um, All right, Liam, if you can steal it, I mean, you might even get a bonus point. So it was Conte's staff. Was it uh, Silvino Lauro? No, it wasn't Conte's staff. It was Mauricio Sarri's staff, and the chap in question was called Marco Iani. It's the start of the 18-19 season. Uh, Yeah, he was um, an angry, angry young man. So nobody gets a point for that one. Third question for you, Liam. Chance to claw back a bit of respectability and get off the mark here. Hmm. Chelsea lost 3-0 at Old Trafford in the first Premier League game between the two there in 1993, April of that year. Uh, The tide of goals was stemmed after the Blues brought on which defender to replace Mal Donaghy? 1993. Mm. Paul Elliott? No. No. Uh, Simon. Oh, God, are we talking about Darren Barnard? Of course we're talking about Darren Barnard. He actually came on and subbed for Mal Can you imagine how excited I was when I worked that out? I'm sorry. There should be some kind of bells and whistles. That's like... That's like quiz gold. You've got the two the two legends in the same armour. That's just genius. I'm, d- I'm only doing Mondays from now on, Lucy. Uh, listen, you can't see Liam's face, but he is fuming. Absolutely fuming. Um, I feel like I've stitched you up a bit, Liam. I'm sorry. Uh, final question of the quiz. Much to Liam's relief. Simon, uh, you've already walloped your opponent. Can you really twist the knife here? What was the significance of Chelsea's 1-0 win against United at the bridge in 2004? 2004? Mm. Uh, that would be Mourinho's first game. Absolutely. Chelsea. That was the easiest question of the quiz. Um, <laughs> gauntlet laid down for future opponents? No, I think Liam had the easiest ones. Uh, <laughs> Mal Donaghy, Darren Barnard and 30 seconds. I... Uh, I'll take the win, but Liam, you have my sympathies. I've, I've got the, I got, I don't know what you've done to, done to Matt to those questions. I'm going to stick to Mondays and and shouting out the answers to Thursday's pod while in my car. <laughs> well, just to take you behind the curtain, um, I actually rewrote the quiz while we were recording the pod, or at least one of Liam's questions, because I decided that we'd actually alluded to it quite a lot, and therefore it was quite easy. It was going to be, what have the last four meetings between Chelsea and United in the Premier League all had in common? You'd have got that right, Liam. What? Uh, what draws? Yeah. Yeah. Easy, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shame. <laughs> Let's say that. Well, you've had, you, you could you could make me doubt anything at this point. <laughs> Well, I tell you what. Let's um, let's give your ego a boost and talk about the things that you've been writing this week and what's to come, please. Oh God, that's the wrong way to give my ego a boost. They're all um, brilliant. You just don't know a lot about <laughs> Mal Donaghy or Darren Barnard. It's fine. So we've got the match piece up on the Athletic um, about Potter focusing in on his decision to bring on Tripwamika, start Breuer, five academy grads in in the eleven, and kind of how that fits into. Um, the broader picture of Todd Bowley and, and Clear Lake Capital's vision for, for Chelsea. Um, so that's up. Simon's doing the Manchester United game this weekend, but um, I will be writing some form of live analysis uh, 
uh, on that game because it's such a big game. I will be filing on the whistle as to how Chelsea have been mugged at Stamford Bridge again. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I was going to say, hopefully it's actually about a win. This is five years since, I think, since Chelsea beat them in the Premier League. And this is Too like long. the worst, the worst United side. You know, you sort of think Chelsea's record against United in the Fergie era in particular. Even Gavin Peacock scored winners against them at home and away in 93-94. Good quiz question there. Uh, just mentally uh, ruling that out of any future <laughs> quiz, by the way. But, but uh, yeah, it's just been mystifying how, how Chelsea have contrived not to beat this shower. And, of course, now, they, now they're actually getting quite good. Wouldn't it, be, um, wouldn't it be a good time to beat them? It's almost a direct reversal of like the late 90s, early 2000s pre-Abramovich when Chelsea weren't on Man United's level, but they'd always beat them at Old Trafford to the point where Ferguson uh, thought the Chelsea players were on double bonuses to win that game. Uh, well, we see if the Blues can get the job done this weekend. Uh, just to say before we go, this is the 200th episode straight out of Cobham it's featured one of the best quizzes in recent memory I think we can all agree on that uh, but thanks if you've been listening from the start or if you've only just joined us uh, we appreciate your company if you want to give us a five star rating and a review that will help other Chelsea fans find us uh, Simon's dump truck is just coming in to what drop off the awards for the quiz the Probably. best possible sound effect for 200 episodes. <laughs> I think we can all agree. In the trash. <laughs> 200 now. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure, uh, but that's it. No, also, happy birthday to Carney Chukwemeka. It turns out that he's turned 19 today, as we record. But mainly, happy birthday to us. 200 shows is a good achievement for our little podcast. We hope that you enjoy it. We'll be back with 201 on Monday, reacting to Chelsea 4, Manchester United 0. And, uh, ooh, I don't know, Kai Havertz goal after 30 seconds in that one. Uh, do join us for that if you can. Until then, goodbye. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.